You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Tenor Leonardo Capalbo is backstage at Lyric. Verdi's love for Shakespeare uh, is, is very evident in this piece because while it does not have every single moment that you would read in the Shakespeare or see in the Shakespeare play, I think it still stays very true to the to these huge emotional impacts that uh, that exist in the piece, and the characters, uh, for me, are very well etched. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. The young Italian-American tenor Leonardo Capalbo began his association with Lyric Opera when he wowed an audience of many thousands in the 2010 Stars of Lyric Opera at Millennium Park concert. He's making his official company debut as Macduff in this season's new production of Verdi's Macbeth. Leonardo's rapidly establishing himself internationally, including appearances with the Deutsche Staatsoper Berlin, Dresden Semperoper, and major companies in France, Great Britain, Italy, Greece, and Israel. He spoke with me about the challenges of his role in Macbeth, the style of the music, highlights of his career to date, and the breadth of his repertoire. Before we get to that conversation, here's the story of Macbeth. In Scotland, Macbeth, Thane of Glamis, is astonished when witches predict that he's fated to become first Thane of Cawdor and then King of Scotland. At the same time, they predict that none of woman-born shall harm Macbeth. Macbeth's friend, Banquo, is greeted by the witches as the founder of a future line of kings. Shortly thereafter, a messenger from the king informs Macbeth that he has been named Thane of Cawdor. He informs his wife about what's happened, and she exhorts him to fulfill the prophecy by murdering Duncan, the king, who's a guest at Macbeth's castle. Macbeth does just that. An ambition then leads him to have Banquo murdered, but Banquo's son escapes. Macbeth returns to the witches, who warn him to beware of Macduff. At his wife's urging, he has Macduff's family killed, but Macduff raises an army of refugees who have been persecuted by the tyrant Macbeth. Consumed by guilt, Lady Macbeth dies. Macbeth is finally slain by Macduff, who reveals that he was not of woman born, but from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Malcolm, Duncan's son, is proclaimed King of Scotland. Now, on to the interview with Leonardo Capalbo. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with Leonardo Capalbo, who is going to be debuting at Lyric Opera as Macduff and Macbeth. But last week you sang for the Stars of Lyric Opera at Millennium Park concert. You did an aria from Rigoletto, and then you and Anna Maria Martinez closed the program with a love duet from Bohème. So what was it like singing outside, looking out at an audience of, what, 15,000 people? It's a fantastic atmosphere. Just walking out onto that magnificent stage and looking out into what seemed like a sea of people was really exhilarating. And uh, I just tried to, of course, focus on what I was doing and uh, also enjoy the moment. So I, I had a great time. Had you done some work outdoors before in opera? Or? I have, actually. I've done, uh, I did several seasons with uh, 
Upper Holland Park in London. And so that takes place in Holland Park. There's a big tent erected, so it's, it's very outdoors. I actually did this piece, Macbeth, there many, many years ago. And one reviewer said something nice about my singing, which was kind of him. I appreciated that. But also mentioned that uh, for some of the time, I was duetting with the peacocks that are in the park. So I'm, I'm used to being outdoors and, and the challenges of opera outdoors. So as far as Macbeth goes, you've been rehearsing for about a week and a half. What are you most excited about so far? I'm going to say first and foremost, it's always the music for me. Verdi is my absolute favorite composer, and whenever I get the chance to sing his music, I feel not only comfortable but uh, inspired at every moment because, for me, the relationship between the vocal line and the orchestra and just the meaning behind it all I think is is really excellent. I think that Verdi is uh, undoubtedly was a great master, and we all know that, but when you actually get to perform that music, it's a very, very, very special thing. You have a very important aria to sing in this opera, and there's a lot to that aria emotionally. What are you trying to communicate with it to the audience? Alla Paterna Mano is a beautiful, beautiful aria, but it's a very painful one. And it's a type of moment that someone can never really prepare for neither as an artist nor as the actual character that is faced with that. He has just found out, just gotten word in that very, very second that his children have been slaughtered and their mother, his wife, as well. And for a man like Macduff, who is so morally based, everything about him is, what can I do to make this situation better? How can I make Scotland a stronger, a better country, a, a more just place, this is a horrible thing because he makes the decision to leave them, to leave his children, to leave his wife, and to, to fight, to fight for what he thinks is the right thing to do. And in fact, it probably is the right thing to do, but he feels so wrong at that moment. He, he feels responsible. Even though he did not kill his children, he did not kill his wife, he never meant for any of that to happen, he wasn't there to protect them. And so there are so many emotions that run through you in that moment. There's so much to convey, but more than anything, it's just not something I can prepare for as a singer, as an actor, and I don't think it's something that the audience either can, can be prepared for. It's, it's a moment that you you sort of embody an experience. And it's a wonderful thing to do as a performer because each time that I've performed this, you can feel collectively everyone be hit with this huge emotional impact. Can you describe what it demands of you, what the whole role demands of you vocally in relation to the two other Verdi roles that you sing, that is Alfredo and Traviata and the Duke and Rigoletto? Mm -hmm. This is slightly heavier, I would think. Uh, I mean, in some respects, yes, but I don't really look at it that way. You know, for me, I think that Verdi's writing is pretty consistent, and it's still very vocally, still very bel canto-based. Even when you go into more of the, the pieces that are, let's say, shall we say, heavier for the tenor, let's say even Balo and Mascara, which is coming up in this season, that's still written for a very lyric voice. Obviously, to sing any of these roles, you need to have a bit more body and color to your voice, a bit more size, amplitude, 
but uh, they're certainly not held in rules in any way. They, they require a lot of flexibility, and we see that in this piece. There's the banquet scene. For example, the, my character, Macduff, sings lots of small staccati notes that ascend. It requires a, a great deal of flexibility to, to achieve it in a way with elan, which is what we're trying to do. So uh, I think that these roles, I think they need to be sung with a very clean line and uh, well-inflected words, and uh, that's what's important. I, I, for one, am not the type of person that goes around thinking, well, you know, for this many years I'm this sort of tenor, and then I'll eventually go into another tenor. I don't think that way, and I think that's unhealthy and, uh, and unnecessary, really. You, you focus on the roles that you are appropriate for at the moment, and you sing them, and you, you relate to them, and you try to convey to the audience uh, something that's honest, and that's what I try to do. You're also in this opera, you're crucial to no fewer than four big ensembles in the course yes. of the piece. Do you have a favorite of the four of them? Do I have a favorite of the four We're of them? We're talking the first act finale, the banquet scene sure. finale, and the, the refugee scene finale, and then the finale of the whole opera. I mean, obviously, we're, we're uh, emotionally speaking. I mean, McTuff takes a very large arc in the piece in terms of uh, how he starts out. I think he's very much looking up to everyone. You know, he looks up to Banco. He looks up to Macbeth. These are his leaders. He looks up to Duncan, of course. And so when he discovers Duncan dead, this is a huge emotional jolt to him. It's an interesting thing, and it's, it's, I like that you brought up this point, because Macduff is, is definitely a catalyst to a lot occurring. Or at least he's the one that heralds everything in, in a way. And... Uh, I don't know. It's difficult to say which is my favorite part uh, as a performer, as a singer. I I don't know. Um, It's exciting, exciting music. But I think that's what's really, really wonderful about this piece, about Macbeth. And, of course, I I, I love the Shakespeare. Um, But Verdi's love for Shakespeare uh, is is very evident in this piece because while it does not have every single moment that you would read in the Shakespeare or see in the Shakespeare play – I think it still stays very true to the to these huge emotional impacts that uh, that exist in the piece, and the characters, uh, for me, are very well etched. Can you talk at this point about what you've been asked to do on stage in this new production? How Macduff is being handled on the, on the dramatic side. First off, I want to say Barbara Gaines is is an excellent director to work with because she really wants something simple and true and clear to come out to the audience. So as an actor, she doesn't demand anything unusual from you or there's nothing in the process that we've done thus far that makes me feel that I have to um, apply some sort of artifice. And uh, we're just simply doing this in a very direct and very specific way. And that's what makes it strong to the audience. And and I I think people will really take to it. Now, you have done... Namorino in Elixir of Love, Edgardo Lucidi Lamamor, the season you're taking on the tenor leads in Donizetti's Maria Stuarda, Roberto Devereux, so four major Donizetti operas. Mm-hmm. So those operas weren't written all that much earlier no. than Macbeth. Do you hear echoes of, of Donizetti in uh, this piece? Surely, surely, yes, of course. I mean, for me, you know, uh, obviously Verdi is in a direct line from Donizetti, from Bellini, even Rossini. We We see the the same line, the same, the same respect for the same respect for the voice, I really should say, and so for me, I definitely see some of the same devices used uh, in terms of the composition and 
And as a singer, it's not that different in terms of how I would sing this to how I would sing, let's say, Nemorino. I mean, obviously, there are, there are more moments in a piece like Elisir where you would be more naive, more childish, shall we say, and maybe use your voice in a more dolce way. But, you know, I would like to bring a lot of that to a role like this as well because, um, you know, it's all... Everything, of course, changes within context. So a piano in one piece is not the same as a piano in another, or and conversely, a forte in one piece and a forte in another. So I, I don't really change my technique all that much, no matter what I'm saying. Even if I'm saying Rodolfo or or, you know, what have you. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I I don't think, oh, I'm singing this composer, now I have to sing in a different way. I respect the music, I, I look at the, the marking and what I think the composer intended, and I try to deliver that. You've done some really interesting repertoire. I'm thinking especially of two roles that you did in England mm-hmm. for Opera North. One was by Manuel de Falla, and mm-hmm. the other was by Kurt Weill. Can you talk about what those pieces were, and do you think they should be performed more often? Well, I think La Vida Breve is a wonderful piece. Uh, The Defaya piece. The Defaya is really wonderful. Uh, I mean, someone like De Los Angeles was a big proponent of the piece, of course. Uh, It's a gorgeous opera, very heavily orchestrated. And in the production I did, I did it with with Christopher Alden directing. It was set in a very very unusual sort of way uh, but I, I think it made a, a very large statement and musically speaking I think the piece has so many merits to it gorgeous melodies I think the characters are really interesting and it's it's a one act it's a short piece right. uh, so yes I do think the piece should be should be seen by the public I think they would take to it very very well and then you did a Kurt Weill piece as well. Yeah, I did a Kurt Weill piece that's called uh, Der Kuhhandel. Uh, we did it in an English translation, uh, which was probably best for audiences that wouldn't understand uh, German and also understand this sort of a piece, which was somewhat of an operetta, somewhat of an, you know, it's, it's hard to say what to call it. But, uh, you know, I, I've done lots of different pieces and I probably will continue to. Uh, I like to work with uh, great directors people that have interesting points of view and uh, work with wonderful conductors and try to try to make something happen. I mean, the bulk of my, my repertoire has been has been Donizetti Verdi, um, and that probably will be the case for a long time to come, and I'd like to take on more and more of the Verdi roles as I, as I mature and progress. But um, I would never want to just pigeonhole myself and say, oh, I'm only going to have a steady diet of the three or four top operas. That would be boring and probably not very me. So I can't imagine that. Your heritage obviously is Italian. Did yes. you actually grow up listening to Verdi and Puccini or something completely different? Well, it, you know, it, it's interesting that you should say that only because, yes, both of my parents were born in, in Italy, in Calabria, and I grew up as a as a child going back and forth between the States and, and Italy. And uh, so I always grew up with the language and with the culture, in fact. But uh, it wasn't like my parents uh, were or have ever been big opera uh, lovers or anything like that. You know, they came from very southern Italy, like I've mentioned, and uh, their background was certainly not of the type that would have attended the opera. But uh, I was definitely exposed to lots of Italian television all the time and that sort of thing. And uh, from when I was about 10, I remember seeing sorts of things that I would see on television of of opera presentations or concerts. And I distinctly remember some of Pavarotti's concerts when I was a kid. And I was very drawn to it immediately. 
and uh, I asked to take voice lessons, and I started working on things. And uh, I initially went in because there was a talent show at my school, and I started taking voice lessons and singing you know, sort of silly pop sort of tunes. And, you know, the, the, the teacher thought, uh, oh, well, you know, this is a nice little voice. That's sweet. And then um, she said, why don't we try one of these exercises? And she brought out one of the Ariantique. And so I started to sing it, and of course my voice completely changed. And I sang it with very good Italian and with a completely different tone quality. And she just sat there flabbergasted, and she said, well, well, where did this come from? Where did this voice come from? And I said, oh, that's the other voice I use, you know? And so I've basically been using the other voice my whole life now, so... I know you went to Juilliard, but you also were at the Music Academy of the West in yes. Santa Barbara, where the vocal program's run by Marilyn Horn. Mm-hmm. Was she the first sort of legend of opera that you ever encountered? Uh, yes, and well, surely the first legend of opera that I got to know and that continue to know and, and that I really worked with in a, in a more prolonged state, I should say. Uh, she's wonderful. Uh, she continues to be a great mentor and friend to me. Uh, I talk to her often, uh, we correspond all the time, and she's been inspiring to me not only as a, as a vocal technician, as an artist, but as a person. She is very honest, very straightforward, and really interested in, in her students and the people that she has taken time to cultivate and to put an influence upon doing well and progressing, and I'm forever grateful to that. What is the most important advice that she's ever given you? Years and years ago, she said to me, you know, what you need to do is go out and get your opera legs, and then you'll be fine. And that's pretty much what I did. Unlike most people in my my age group, I never did a young artist program. So I don't have that sort of affiliation with one of the big companies here in in the U.S. I went out, and I've been singing for the past eight seasons now, mainly in Europe, and with some fantastic companies and excellent directors and conductors and I've gotten a lot of experience and having someone like Marilyn Horn say, you know, that's more than okay to do. I think that's what you should do uh, was uh, definitely invaluable to me and it, it makes doing something that is probably more difficult to do now easier. I mean, years ago when Marilyn was uh, was starting out, that's that's what she did. She went to Gelsenkirchen and she, she worked there and she got experience and she sang and then eventually when she came back to the United States in a big way, well, she was the Marilyn Horn that we that we all know and love, but uh, she gained that experience. Today, we sort of train in a different way. So I, I've had a, a more old-fashioned career. So she clearly is the singer who has been most influential for you, but is there a particular conductor or director who has had a significant influence on your artistry in a sort of pointed the way for you? I've been so fortunate in the sense that I've worked with so many fantastic directors from Frank Corsaro to David Pountney to Christopher Alden to Zeffirelli. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can go on and on. Really, really um, great names and, and great names for a reason because they, they each have had wonderful things to offer me in terms of how to inhabit a character, um, how best to harness what I have inside of me and, and project that to an audience. Uh, and in terms of conductors, uh, you know, I've also worked with, with fantastic conductors and that was great. I, I, I recently did Traviata in, in, at the Zemper Opa with, with Fabio Luisi, who was extraordinary and at all times uh, made me feel like I was so personally being conducted and shaped musically and yet 
I, I always felt that he was completely with the orchestra and had something to offer each and every instrument, and that's a special quality. You know, it, it's an interesting life that, that you lead as an opera singer, going around and, and meeting these, these, these different uh, musicians and, and different producers and directors and, and being challenged in, in so many different ways, and, uh, you know, I, I, I relish it, really. I'm always curious with singers who are as much world travelers as you are in your career, how they make each city that they're in as much of a home as possible, considering they might be there for a month, two months, even longer than that. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it, it, it's true. Uh, the definition of home certainly does change, you know, because we're, we're forced to go uh, different places all the time. And, uh, you know, it's certainly when I when I started, I remember being quite sad for a while and uh, thinking this is, oh, wow, what did I sign myself up for? Because I love doing this, but I'm stuck and I'm here by myself. I mean, that certainly has changed. That does that goes away. And, uh, you know, you start to enjoy meeting different people and working with uh, new colleagues and uh, being in a different place and... Uh, you know, it's it's just so much a part of my life right now that uh, it doesn't phase me really anymore. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty much more of a homebody. I'm not interested in going out per se that much uh, or doing that many entertaining quote unquote things. Uh, but you know, I'm happy just going out to dinner with some people and then you know going home, and uh, that makes things feel good to me. So, well. I want to wish you all the best for your Lyric Opera debut in our new production of Macbeth. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org. <laughs>